see y'all. Glad to glad y'all were able to safely come this morning as we gather together to uh, to worship and uh, um, appreciate uh, uh, the opportunity to to be out. You know, it's been a long time since from Sunday to Saturday I didn't leave the house, so uh, <laughs> good to be out and see some see some folks. So uh, we've gathered together to worship, and it's my pleasure to uh, to welcome you this morning. And uh, one item of business I would like to uh, to mention, you know, last week we had Brother James and Troy from uh, worship will come from Romans chapter 11. Romans chapter 11, later in the service, we're going to look at the roots of the exploding church uh, and see, examine a little bit of God's plan in choosing Israel and uh, Israel, the nation through whom he would bring his Messiah and when Israel rejected her Messiah, the plan was for the gospel to be preached to the Gentiles and the church uh, to be made up of, of believers from every tribe, every tongue, every people, and every nation. And Paul talks about that in Romans chapter 11, kind of expounds on what we'll look at Peter speaking of at the end of his sermon. Romans chapter 11. The word of the Lord says, I say then, has God cast away his people? Certainly not, for I am an Israelite of the seed of Abraham, of the tribe of Benjamin. God has not cast away his people whom he foreknew. Or do you know that what the scripture says of Elijah, how he pleads with God against Israel, saying, Lord, they have killed your prophets and torn down your altars, and I alone am left, and they seek my life. But what does the divine response say to him? I've reserved for myself 7,000 men who have not bowed the knee to Baal. Even so then, at this present time, there is a remnant according to the election of grace. And if by grace, then it is no longer of works. Otherwise, otherwise grace is no longer grace. But, is it, but if it is of works, it is no longer grace. Otherwise, work is no longer work. What then? Israel has not obtained what it seeks. But the elect have obtained it, and the rest were blinded. Just as it is written, God has given them a spirit of stupor, eyes that they should not see and ears that they should not hear to this very day. And David says, let their table become a snare and a trap, a stumbling block and a recompense to them. Let their eyes be darkened so that they do not see and bow down their back always. I say then, have they stumbled that they should fall? Certainly not. But through their fall to provide them to jealousy salvation has come to the Gentiles. Now, if their fall is riches for the world and their failure riches for the Gentiles, how much more their fullness? For I speak to you Gentiles, inasmuch as I am an apostle to the Gentiles, I magnify my ministry. If by any means I might provoke to jealousy those who are my flesh and save some of them. For if their being cast away as the reconciling of the world, what will their acceptance be but life from the dead? For if the first fruit is holy, the lump is also holy. And if the root is holy, so are the branches. And if some of the branches were broken off, and you being a wild olive tree were grafted in among them, and with them became our partaker of the root and the fatness of the olive tree. Do not boast against the branches. But if you do boast, remember that you do not support the root, but the root supports you. You will say then branches were broken off that I might be grafted in. Well said. Because of unbelief they were broken off and you stand by faith. Do not be haughty, but fear. 
For if God did not spare the natural branches, He may not spare you either. Therefore consider the goodness and the severity of God on those who fell, severity, but toward you, goodness, if you continue in His goodness, otherwise you also will be cut off. And they also, if they do not continue in belief, will be grafted in, for God is able to graft them in again. For if you were cut off out of the olive tree, which is wild by nature, and were grafted contrary to nature into a cultivated olive tree, how much more will these who are natural branches be grafted into their own olive tree? For I do not desire, brethren, that you should be ignorant of this mystery, lest you should be wise in your own opinion, that blindness in part has happened to Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles has come in. And so also Israel will be saved. As it is written, the Deliverer will come out of Zion, and He will turn away good ungodliness from Jacob. For this is my covenant with them when I take away their sins. Concerning the gospel, they are enemies for your sake, but concerning the election, they are beloved for the sake of the fathers. For the gifts and the calling of God are irrevocable. For as you were once disobedient to God, yet now have obtained mercy through their disobedience, even so these also have now been disobedient, that through the mercy shown, you, they also might obtain mercy. For God has committed them all to disobedience, that He have, might have mercy on all. And after Paul talks about that great mystery, he breaks into a song of praise, verse 33. Oh, the depth of the riches, both of the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are His judgments and His ways past finding out. For who has known the mind of the Lord, or who has become His counselor, or who has first given to Him, and it shall be repaid to Him. For of Him, and through Him, and to Him are all things to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. Let's pray together. Lord God, we give You praise because of You, and through You, and to You, are all things. And you are due glory forever and ever. And Lord, we give you praise because of the depths of the riches of your wisdom and knowledge. We give you praise because your judgments are unsearchable and your ways are past finding out. Lord, your thoughts are not our thoughts. Your ways are not our ways. And Lord, you show abundant wisdom and mercy in your dealings with sinful humanity. And Lord, we give you praise for your wonderful plan of grace. And Lord, we're thankful for you being our creator, and we recognize that we have sinned against you and rebelled against you, but in your great mercy and grace, you sent your son Jesus to take the penalty, the punishment that we deserve, and you raised him from the dead, and you proclaimed the gospel to the Jew first and also to the Gentile, because that gospel is your power to salvation to all who believe. Lord, we give you praise. And Lord, we've come together this morning to worship you. I thank you that we were able to travel safely. And Lord, I pray for those who weren't able to be here today, that you would grant them grace and peace. And Lord, sustain them and keep them safe and provide all of their needs. And Lord, we pray for uh, your grace to be shown to us as we worship this morning. And it is in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, I'm going to invite you to take out your hymnal and turn to hymn 456. Him 456.
Chapter 3. Acts chapter 3. We're continuing to look at uh, the second Christian sermon that has been recorded for us in the Bible, in the book, in the book of Acts. As Peter uh, addresses the crowd that God has drawn through the healing of the man who had been born lame. And uh, we'll look at the conclusion of that uh, sermon today as he speaks to those who are to be the root of the exploding church, the root of the exploding church to those Jewish listeners that had gathered together that day. Uh, so uh, I'll look at the, I'll read the entire sermon. Our focus will be uh, beginning in verse 22 through the end of chapter 3. But to set the conclusion of the sermon in its context, we'll begin reading in Acts chapter 3, verse 11. Acts chapter 3, verse 11. Now as the lame man who was healed held on to Peter and John, all the people ran together to them in the porch, which is called Solomon's, greatly amazed. So when Peter saw it, he responded to the people, Men of Israel! Why do you marvel at this? Or why look so intently at us as though by our own power, our, our godliness, we made this man walk? The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of our fathers, glorified his servant Jesus, whom you delivered up and denied in the presence of Pilate when he was determined to let him go. But you denied the Holy One and, and the just and asked for a murderer to be granted to you, and you killed the Prince of Life, whom God raised from the dead, of which we are witnesses. And His name, through faith in His name, has made this man strong, whom you see and know. Yes, the faith which comes through, through Him has given Him this perfect soundness in the presence of you all. Yet now, brethren, I know you did it in ignorance, as did also your rulers, but those things which God foretold by the mouth of all His prophets, that the Christ would suffer, He has thus fulfilled. Repent, therefore, and be converted, that your sins may be blotted out, so that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord, and that He may send Jesus Christ, who was preached to you before, whom heaven must receive until the times of restoration of all things, which God has spoken by the mouth of all His holy prophets since the world began." For Moses truly said to the fathers, The Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from your brethren. Him you shall hear in all things, whatever he says to you. And it shall be that every soul who will not hear that prophet shall be utterly destroyed from among the people. Yes, and all the prophets from Samuel and those who follow, as many as have spoken, have also foretold these days. You are sons of the prophets and of the covenant which God made with our fathers, saying to Abraham, And in your seed all the families of the earth shall be blessed. To you first, God, having raised up his servant Jesus, sent him to bless you in turning every one of you from your iniquities. Let's pray together. Lord God, we're so thankful for your word, Lord, and we're thankful for your provision of it for us, the, the way that you have protected your word and preserved it and brought it to us, Lord, so that we might hear, we might hear your word, we might hear your truth. And Lord, we're so thankful for the ministry of the Holy Spirit that you have sent to lead us into truth and to convict us and to convince us of truth and then to empower us and enable us to walk in truth. 
And so, Lord, we pray that Your Spirit would teach us this morning that we would understand the root of the church and Your amazing plan to create a beautiful bride from every tribe, every tongue, every people, every nation. And Lord, we pray that 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 reality, that would be reality in our community, in our, our county, our state. Lord, that there would be a beautiful tapestry, a beautiful display of unity and diversity so that we might reflect Your glory and that Your purpose and plan will be realized in us. And it is in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. And so as we look at this sermon, it's important to us to, for us to recognize that all of the listeners, everyone in the audience is a Jew. Everyone is a descendant of Israel. When, when, when Peter begins the message, he says, Men of Israel. And he's speaking to those who had gathered because they'd come to the temple to worship. They were, they were devout Jewish people observing their religion, they had come to the temple in the evening, the time of the afternoon prayer, at 3 o'clock in the afternoon, for prayers and the evening sacrifice. They had come as they always did, performing their rituals and their ceremonies, exercising the, uh, uh, the, the rules of their law, and they had come to the temple, and their, their routine had been interrupted. The, uh, the, the, the things that happened every afternoon at 3 o'clock were disturbed by a man running through the temple, walking and leaping and praising God. Uh, their, their ritual, their ceremonies had been, had been disrupted and there was this commotion going on. And this man was walking and leaping and praising God and holding on to, to, to Peter and John. And so this crowd gathered, and when they gathered together, they saw that this was a man that they recognized, a man that they knew. They'd seen him as they'd come at 9 o'clock in the morning and 3 o'clock in the afternoon to, uh, to perform their religion, to make their sacrifices, to say their prayers. They had seen this man, and they recognized him as the one who had been sitting there begging. That was over 40 years old, and he had never walked. He'd been lame from his mother's womb. They recognized this man, and they saw that a miracle had occurred that he had been healed. And so they gathered together, and Peter takes advantage of this opportunity to speak to the people of Israel, the Jewish people that had gathered. And so it's important that we recognize that all of the listeners to this sermon were Jews, were descendants of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And so Peter preaches to them who are the sons of the prophets, the sons of the covenants, and the ones to whom the gospel would be preached first. And so that's an important thing for us to recognize. We see that Paul talks about it in Romans in Romans chapter 11. He talks about the root of the exploding church. In Romans chapter 1, he says, I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God to all who believe, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. And Jesus Himself had told His disciples that He had come to the lost sheep of Israel. And when He sent them out two by two to preach, He told them not to go to the nations, but to go to the cities of Israel. He told the woman, the Samaritan woman at the well, that salvation was of the Jews. And so it's very important that we recognize that it was God's plan, God's purpose for the nation of Israel, the Jewish people, to be the root, the nucleus of the exploding church. And it's important for us to understand God's purpose and God's plan 
for Israel and God's purpose and God's plan for the church. And we'll see in this text that Peter calls the people of Israel, the men of Israel, the sons of the prophets, the sons of the covenant, and they were to be the first to receive the blessings of the gospel, the blessings that God would give to all nations. And so first of all, we see he calls them the sons of the prophets, and he begins, he's he's talking about that the things that Jesus did were things that had been foretold by their prophets, uh, verse 21, since the world began. And so as soon as sin entered into the into the world in Genesis chapter 3, verse 15, God promised one who would come and would be bruised by Satan, but that would crush Satan's head. And then the prophets came and the prophets spoke of the work that would be fulfilled in Jesus. And uh, we talked about the text of this sermon is, is there from Deuteronomy chapter 18, beginning in verse 22. Moses truly said to the fathers, The Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from your brethren. Him you shall hear in all things whatever he says to you. And we talked about the fact that Jesus is that prophet. Jesus came to speak the Word of God. Jesus is the perfect revelation and the final revelation of God. Jesus is the Word of God incarnate. The Word of God become flesh. He is that prophet. And Jesus has not only fulfilled the office of the prophet, He also fulfills the office of priest and the office of king. But here the emphasis is the prophecy, the Word of God. And we see the emphasis on hearing God will raise up for you a prophet, one who speaks forth the word of God. And him you shall hear. You shall hear him in all things, whatever he says to you. And whoever will not hear that prophet will be utterly destroyed, cut off from the people of God. And so here we see the emphasis of hearing. And uh, Judaism and Christianity are religions of hearing. The great command to the nation of Israel, the first command that they would learn as little children, is hear, O Israel. Hear, O Israel. The Lord our God, the Lord is one. Thou shalt love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. And God told the nation of Israel, you know, when you came to Mount Sinai, and I spoke to you, you did not see a form. I did not appear to you in any form. But you heard my voice. You heard my law. You heard my commandments. And so Judaism, religion of hearing. Hear, O Israel, not of seeing. Hear, O Israel, not come and see. And the same is true of Christianity. It's a religion of hearing. We hear the message of the gospel. We call upon the one in whom we believe and we cannot believe until we hear. Faith comes by hearing. Hearing the Word of God. Hearing the Word of Christ. And so here, he's not calling these Jewish people to change their religion. He's not calling them uh, to to worship a, a different God. He's not calling on them. He's not presenting to them strange fire. He is simply revealing to them God's plan, God's purpose from the, before the foundation of the earth throughout human history to redeem for Himself a people, a church made up of every tribe, every tongue, every people, every nation, every ethnicity. It was God's plan from the very beginning and it had been proclaimed by 
the prophets, beginning with Moses, and then all the way through Samuel, the last of the judges, the first of the prophets, and then all who came after him. Verse 24, yes, all the prophets from Samuel and those who follow, as many as have spoken, have also foretold these days, and you are the sons of the prophets. And so this root of the exploding church, the nation of Israel, you know, God chose Israel and He chose Israel for, for several purposes, for several reasons. The first is to show His grace. There was nothing about this nation that was special. There was nothing about this family that was important, that, that was significant. But in Genesis chapter 11, we see that God created the nations by uh, confusing their languages and dispersing them over the earth at the Tower of Babel, uh, uh, creating, dispersing the families. And then in Genesis chapter 12, He chose one family. He chose one man, a man named Abraham, and not because there was anything special about him. He was a pagan worshiper of the moon god, but God chose him by grace. Because of God's purpose of grace, there was nothing about this man, there was nothing about this family, there was nothing about this nation, but God chose them simply because of His purpose of grace. And He chose this nation of Israel to be the protectors and the preservers and the transmitters of His Word. He chose this nation, He brought them to Mount Sinai. They did not see a form, but they heard His voice. He chose them to to receive and to transmit and to preserve His Word. And His Word was proclaimed to them through the prophets, Moses and Samuel and all those who came after Him. The Word was proclaimed and the nation was to preserve that Word and to transmit it to the people. And so God chose the nation of Israel to display His grace. God chose the nation of Israel to preserve His Word. God chose the nation of Israel to be a kingdom of priests to be His representatives on the earth, to be His representatives among the sinful nations, the sinful peoples. And He chose Israel to be the family through whom He would bring the Christ, through whom He would bring His Messiah. And so God chose the nation of Israel, not because they were good, but because of His purpose of grace. God delivered His Word to them and entrusted them with preserving it and, 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 and protecting it and transmitting it so that all the types and all the foreshadows and all the ceremonies that would point to the person and work of Christ would be preserved and be proclaimed. He chose this nation to be His representatives on the earth and to be a light to the Gentiles, a light to the nations. And so, these were the sons of the prophets, the ones who were entrusted to display God's grace, to preserve His Word, and to be the people through whom the Messiah, that the prophets foretold, would come. The root, the root of the church, the nation of Israel, and all those who come to the church after this, you know, these are all Jewish listeners, Jewish hearers. And as Paul says, you know, that those, uh, those who come later are like wild branches grafted into the olive tree. We are the branches. Israel's the root. And we're grafted into that tree. And as of Acts chapter 3, the church has only been witnessing in Jerusalem. 
Remember in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, Jesus said, After the power, after the Holy Spirit has come upon you, you will receive power. You'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Well, that's going to play out as we go through Acts. But here in chapter 3, they're all Jewish hearers. And, and Peter addresses them as the sons of the prophets. The ones chosen to display God's grace, to preserve and transmit His Word, to be a kingdom of priests, and to be the family through whom the Christ, the Messiah, would come. And so this root of the exploding church, Israel, the sons of the prophets. Well, not only were they sons of the prophets, number two, they were sons of the covenant. Sons of the covenant, verse 25, you are sons of the prophets and of the covenant which God made with our fathers, saying to Abraham, and in your seed all the families of the earth shall be blessed. And so God chose them because of His grace to be His priest, to transmit His word, uh, to, to display for them to, to speak of who the one true God is. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And so they were to display the nature of God but they were also sons of the covenant. God chose them by grace, and then God made a covenant that through this family, all the families of the earth would be blessed. Through this family, the Christ, the Messiah, would come. And so Israel not only displays God's grace, His grace in choosing this family out of all the families of the earth, and choosing to bless all the families of the earth through this one family, we also see God's faithfulness. He displays His grace in Israel. He also displays His faithfulness as He preserves them and keeps His promises. But not only does He display His faithfulness, but He displays His wrath. God chose Israel in order that He might display His wrath. What does God do to a rebellious and disobedient people? What does God do to a people who do not keep His covenant? Well, we've been studying it in the Old Testament. We've been studying it as we've gone through the minor prophets. What does God do to a disobedient, rebellious people? He disciplines them. He raises up armies to come and destroy their cities. He raises up people to tear down their walls. He destroys their temple. He casts them out of the land. He sends them into exile. And so God displays His wrath. He disciplines His disobedient people. The people that He has chosen for Himself, when they are disobedient, God disciplines them and raises up armies and tears down their cities, breaks down their walls, destroys and defiles their places of worship. And so God displays His wrath in Israel, but ultimately He displays His faithfulness. God chose Israel to be the nation through whom He would bring the Messiah, who would bring the Christ. And even though His people were faithless, even though His people were disobedient, even though His people were, were stiff-necked, God was faithful to His covenant. God was faithful to His promises. And after He sent them into exile, God preserved for Himself a faithful remnant. Returned them to the land, and through that remnant, He brought the Christ, the Messiah, in fulfillment to His promises. And so God chose Israel to display His grace. God chose Israel to be a nation of priests to proclaim what God was like. God chose Israel to preserve and transmit His Word. God showed it, chose Israel to show His grace and to show His wrath and to show His faithfulness and to bring the Messiah, the Christ, into the world to be, bring Jesus Christ. And so God shows His faithfulness. And these were sons of the covenant. 
that God had made with Abraham. Sons of the covenant. And now the fulfillment was coming. That in the seed of Abraham, the family of Abraham, all the nations of the earth, all the families of the earth would be blessed through Christ. And so as Peter is speaking to this Jewish audience, he tells them that they are sons of the prophets, preserving and transmitting God's Word, declaring to the nations what God is like. And God is, they are the sons of the covenant, showing God's grace, God's wrath, and God's faithfulness to keep His promises, to work out His plan, to bring the Christ, to bring the Messiah, and to create a church, a beautiful church with the root, the root, the nation of Israel, but these wild branches being grafted in from every tribe, every tongue, every people, every ethnicity. And so God shows His faithfulness. And so Israel, they were the sons of the prophets. They were the sons of the covenant. And the blessings were to come to them first. They were the root, the nucleus of the exploding church. And as we go through, we'll see the rejection and then the preaching of the Gospel. As Paul would go to places, he would go first to the synagogue because the Gospel was to be preached to the Jews first. We see that in verse 26, to you first. God said to Abraham, in your seed all the families of the earth shall be blessed, but those blessings come to you first. You first. Because they were the root, the nucleus of the exploding church. To you first. Paul says, I am not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God to all who believe, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. Jesus says, I was sent to the lost sheep of Israel. The gospel was to be preached to them first. And God authenticates His gospel, having raised up His servant Jesus, sent Him to bless you first in the turning of every one of yours from your sins. They had a responsibility to hear. They were the sons of the prophets. The prophets had foretold His times. The prophets had said that the Christ would suffer. The prophets had, 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 had spoken about Jesus since the world began. Even Moses says that God will raise up a prophet like me and you must hear Him. And in their first opportunity, they had failed miserably. They had not heard Jesus crisscross their land. He went to and fro across their land proclaiming the Word of God. Proclaiming God's message of grace and God's message of redemption. Jesus went and preached with authority. And demonstrate His authority by filling the land with miracles, signs, and wonders. And they had heard His words, but they had not heard Him. Hearing, they had not heard. And their hearts had become hard. And they had stumbled. Their ears had become dull. And they denied the Holy One and the just. They delivered Him up to Pilate. And even though Pilate wanted to let Him go, saying, this man has done nothing wrong, they demanded that He be killed. They had not heard the prophet. They had not heard Him. They had rejected Him and treated Him horribly and put Him to death. But God had raised Him up. 
And now Peter is saying, that gospel's to you first. Even though you denied Him and you delivered Him up and demanded that murder be released to you and you killed the source of life, there's still an opportunity for you to repent and be converted. God sent Him to bless you first. And any of you who repent, who turn, turn from your sin and turn to Jesus, your sins will be blotted out and you will be turned away from your iniquities. There's still a chance. There's still an opportunity. Yes, you did not hear. You denied Him. You delivered Him up. You put Him to death. But God has raised Him from the dead. And the blessings are to you first. Repent and be converted. That your sins may be blotted out. You failed in your first chance, but God has given you another opportunity to repent. Turn from your sin and put your trust in Jesus Christ and Him alone. God's raised up His servant Jesus and He sent Him to bless you by turning every one of you away from your iniquity, saving you from the penalty and the power of your sins. Repent and be converted. And so here Peter proclaims a message to the root. The root of the olive tree. And you know, there's a couple things that we need to learn from this passage that are very relevant to conversations that are happening around us today. Number one, we see that ethnicity doesn't matter in one way. In the purpose of grace. You know, these people were very proud of their ethnicity. They were proud that they were descendants of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. And they found great hope and great comfort. And they thought because of their ethnicity, because of who they were descended from, because of their group, their people group, that they didn't need to repent. They thought that by their ethnicity, they, they were good to go. They, they were proud of that. They, they didn't feel like they needed to repent. They needed to turn. They thought that their group would be saved, that they would be saved because of what group they were a part of. And they thought there was no hope for those outside of our group. Well, the truth is, it doesn't matter what group you're a part of. No matter what people group, doesn't matter which ethnicity, we're all sinners. We all fall short of God's grace. There is none who is not in need of repentance because of what people group they are a part of. And there are none who are cut off from repentance because of what people group they're a part of. All have sinned and all are in need of repentance. And God doesn't save people by their groups. He saves individual sinners one at a time who come to Him in repentance and faith. He saves individual sinners who come to Him turning from their sin and putting their trust in Jesus Christ and Him alone. Your ethnicity is irrelevant. It's insignificant. Because all have sinned. And all are only saved by God's grace through faith in Jesus Christ and in Him alone regardless of of ethnicity. And so there's one sense in which your ethnicity doesn't matter. But there's also a sense in which ethnicity does matter. Because when these sinners come to Jesus Christ in repentance and faith, they, they, their inward person is saved. 
but they're still in the same people group. Their ethnicity didn't change. Their identity is in Christ. But God's purpose, God's plan was for the body of Christ to reflect His glory. We talked about on Sunday night, we're talking about the Trinity. How God has unity and diversity. God is united. He has these three diverse persons, these distinct persons, these persons who are different and yet they are one. There's this unity and diversity and that's what the church is supposed to be like. When we come to Jesus, we don't lose our ethnicity, but we bring it with us into the church where God is creating a beautiful tapestry that is united in diversity. A beautiful group of covenant believers who are united by their faith in Christ. And they have unity, yet they still have this beautiful diversity because it's God's purpose to tear down the dividing walls of separation, the walls that had separated Jew from Gentile, the walls that had separated one ethnicity from another, to tear down that wall and to bring them together as one people of God, united in Christ, even with all their diversity. And so there's a sense in which your ethnicity doesn't matter. You've got to be saved by grace through faith in Jesus Christ, no matter who your daddy was, there's a sense in which ethnicity is important because it shows the diversity of our God and the unity that He creates even in diversity. And so we see that beautiful truth. That God purpose through choosing Israel, the ultimate purpose was for Israel to be a root a root for the exploding church where all those wild branches from every tribe, every tongue, every people, every nation will be grafted into the people of God. Unity and diversity. The dividing walls of separation torn down by God's grace and God's power for His glory. And there's also a great warning for us. You know, Paul says... Don't be proud. Don't be boastful. Because if God lopped off those branches because of unbelief, if you're unbelieving, God has displayed His wrath. And if He was willing to, if he was willing to lop off those original branches, how much more would He be willing to wipe out the wild branches if they did not believe? So the call for us is to persevere, to endure, to keep on believing, to be faithful, and to show that we were truly converted by persevering, by keeping the faith, by staying attached to the vine by grace through faith. And so there's a call to persevere. And so we see God's great grace and an amazing plan where He created the families of the earth and chose one family simply because of His grace. He declared to that family what He was like. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. He declared to that one family what it requires. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. He entrusted them with His Word to preserve and to protect and to transmit as they were a kingdom of priests representing Him to the world. 
proclaiming His Word that pointed forward to the work of the Christ, the Savior of the world. He chose them to show His grace. He showed them to show His wrath. He showed them to show His faithfulness. And He chose them to bring through them the Savior of the world, Jesus Christ. And all who believe, all who turn from their sin and put their trust in Jesus Christ are born again to new life regardless of their ethnicity. And they're called together, grafted together into one people of God. One people of God, preserving, persevering, enduring, being held by God's power through faith until Jesus comes again with the message proclaiming this gospel of grace to every tribe, every tongue, every people, and every nation. A call, repent and be converted that your sins may be blotted out. Still goes out today. Let's pray together. Lord God, we thank You for Your amazing plan. And God, we thank You for the display of Your grace and the display of Your faithfulness through the the centuries, through the thousands of years that You worked with Israel. And You were patient and persevering and disciplining and ultimately preserving a remnant through whom You brought the Christ. And Lord, we pray for Israel. We pray for Jewish people. Lord, that they would hear the message of Jesus, that they would come to their Messiah in repentance and faith, and that they would be added to Your church. Grafted back in. And Lord, we pray for the Gentiles. That as Gentiles would be converted, that that would be a witness to the Jews. And Lord, that You would build Your church. Build Your church. Build Your church in this county, in this city, in this state. A beautiful diversity of people united by their faith in Christ, even in their diversity. Lord, tear down the walls that separate people from people, group from group. And Lord, help us to come together in Christ. One beautiful bride without spot or without blemish. And Lord, we pray that this text and this passage in Romans chapter 11 would encourage us to persevere, to endure, to hold fast. And not be proud, not to be arrogant, not to be boastful, but to celebrate Your grace. And Lord, we pray that You would find us faithful in declaring the message of grace to a lost and dying world. And we pray that You would be pleased to make it fruitful. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Right, we're going to conclude our service by singing in 420. Oh, the depth of the riches, both of the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are His judgments and His ways past finding out. For who's known the mind of the Lord? Or who has become His counselor? Or who has first given to Him and it shall be repaid to Him. For of Him, and through Him, and to Him are all things, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen.